Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton, welcoming a very tanned and relaxed looking Dr. Jim Polo. Dr. Polo, it is so good to see you and I hope you had a marvelous time in Mexico. Oh, Sheila, thank you so much. I did. I yeah. did. And I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to take some time down and and it just kind of rejuvenated me and it reminds me that we all need that. Yeah, especially, you know, with what we're going to talk about today, seasonal affective disorder, you probably can uh, compare and contrast where you normally live, which is a very northern city, with being able to get out into the sunlight and tell us how that affected your mood and your outlook. Oh my gosh, it was almost instantaneous, you know. I flew from Washington, where it was not, not super cold, but dreary and rainy. And I landed uh, in a place that was sunny and it was 75 and the wind was just blowing slowly. And I just felt wonderful in moments, literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really noticed that when I came back and I went, came back to the dreariness <laughs> and I realized, oh, I guess I am back. So it makes a difference. Is seasonal affective disorder a real clinical thing to you? Do you actually treat people as if it is a mental health disorder when people have all the signs and symptoms of seasonal affective disorder? Really tell me about that. Well, you know, seasonal affective disorder is a real condition that people experience. And usually what happens is that seasonal affective disorder is kind of related to those winter months where we lack sunlight and it's dark and people kind of end up feeling down into the blues. One of the reasons why we feel strongly that it's a condition that is uh, related to these circumstances is because when you go to the lower half of the globe, when you go to the Southern hemisphere, you see the exact same prevalence at opposite times. So for example, if you're in the bottom of Argentina, uh, where they experience, you know, their winter is in, you know, our summer, then their increases of quote, seasonal affective disorder occur in those months as opposed to our traditional winter months. Wasn't there a time though, when a lot of psychiatrists kind of poo-pooed seasonal affective disorder as being something kind of overblown and made up even? Yes, there was a time when we didn't really quite understand why this would make sense. And, and part of the reason why it didn't make sense is because with seasonal affective disorder, people can't pinpoint anything that they're necessarily unhappy about. It's not like something happened. It's not like a relationship fell apart or they lost a job or they had a financial difficulty. They're just feeling blue and they they can't come up with a good reason. So, you know, in general, what we see is it's usually in the late fall early winter, people that are going to suffer from this will start feeling just kind of down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their mood may go down. They may lack energy. They may find that they're sleeping a little bit more. There's even a subset of people that have kind of like a carbohydrate craving and they, Mm -hmm. they eat more and gain weight, you know? And then for folks that are really severe, it can last all the way until early spring. You know, it can last even into the, uh, you know, May, June-ish timeframe. And uh, ironically enough, as you know, the days get longer and the sun is shining more and they start to feel better and they can't come up with a good reason for why they're feeling better. It's not like something magically happened. Right. Uh, and when you go through that cycle two, three, four years in a row, 
you begin to suspect, hey, there's something about the season. I always feel like it's super important to be completely honest about our own mental health challenges. And for me personally, about 10 years ago, after I'd been living in Portland for almost 17 years, I began having this same pattern you just described, where mm -hmm. in November, I'd start getting super sleepy. I, I kind of lost interest and it didn't have my regular degree of passion for things. I'm not a big carbohydrates person, but things like pastas and bagels and anything that was sugary was something that I was just craving. And so I kept going through my toolbox, like, okay, am I meditating? Am I exercising? Am I being with friends? And every year it got progressively worse. And so I started taking breaks into sunshine. And now I am actually living part-time during those winter months in Palm Springs, and I do not have seasonal affective disorder anymore. So yeah, I think there's a reason why we get attracted to those tropical places in the winter. And we don't always necessarily make the connection that it may be that our mood drives us, but I'll point something out. Seasonal affective disorder is rarely diagnosed when you're near the equator hmm. around the globe. Okay. Wow. In the United States, seasonal affective disorder is diagnosed tenfold in Washington state, which is the Pacific Northwest over Florida. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So there is clearly something about the environment relative to the weather and the amount of sunlight and so forth that does affect how we feel. Is it because we lack serotonin without enough light in our eye? Yeah, that's a great question. Scientifically, the cause is not entirely understood real well. Hmm. It does appear that light, the actual light has something to do with it. So for example, there are, there are parts in the far reaches of Alaska where in the dead of winter, they have no sunlight. They're, they're dark. All, all day long. And in yeah. fact, they, in, in the reverse happens in the, in the summertime, they, yeah. they, they never have dark. Okay. And, and their impact of depression in those dark months skyrockets, it skyrockets. And so, you know, w one of the treatments that is quite effective is what's called getting a, a light box. Mm -hmm. um, brightness is measured in lux. And so what you want to do, if, if you're one of those folks where, where you seem to have this seasonal component, is you want to consider whether or not you want to get a, a light box. And the key is you want to get a light box that has greater than 10,000 lux. And that, that level of brightness is 20 times greater than your average indoor lighting. Oh, wow. Uh, and the nice thing about light boxes is they don't have UV, so they're safe. Yeah. You're not going to, you know, get a sunburn or anything from that. But for some people, that light can make all the difference. Mm -hmm. It can make all the difference. Yeah. I will say I was one of those who tried the professional OHSU approved light box. It did nothing for me. So. Did nothing. <laughs> yep. Well, no. that, that's a good point because, you know, the usual things that I recommend, and we can certainly talk about some of the symptoms because SAD, seasonal affective disorders, not that much different than depression in terms of the actual symptoms. Yeah. It's really when it occurs. But, you know, getting outside, even though it's not sunny, is still good. Yeah. Uh, taking care of your body, eating well, sleeping well, you know, getting exercise, balancing leisure with fun, you know, making sure that you separate, you know, work and playtime and connecting with other people. Those are still the mainstays that help us when our mood is down. And those will still help folks with, with SAD. 
I do uh, have quite a few friends who live in the Pacific Northwest who began to go on antidepressants in late October and then they titrate off in May. Is that thought to be a recognizable and effective treatment for seasonal affective disorder? Oh my gosh. I, I have many patients that I treated just like that. Really? You know? and, and I'll point something out. When you have seasonal affective disorder, the actual symptoms are no different than depression. Low mood, lack of energy, troubles with sleep, irritability, can't focus, can't concentrate. What antidepressants do, antidepressants help us with those physical symptoms of depression. Antidepressants don't change the way we think. Antidepressants don't make you happy about the fact that you lost your job. So when people have seasonal affective disorder where there's no reason for them to be depressed in the first place, antidepressants can be hugely helpful because your body is feeling better. And consequently, you're able to jump in even though maybe you're living in a gloomy area. You know, I, I'm an uh, author, as you know, and I love to write. And, and throughout literature, there's all these, you know, stunning examples of authors who have written about the melancholy during winter and, and the season of this kind of hibernation. And I was reading about how we evolved probably to move less in winter because there wasn't as much food and it was difficult to hunt. And, and so I always have this existential question of, are we as an advanced society treating something that perhaps we shouldn't and maybe we should just learn to hibernate better? <laughs> that is a great question. You know, anthropologists will tell you that many, many, many years ago, humans as a, as a community of people were far more vulnerable to the environment. Yeah. They tended to gather their foods and so forth during the good months. They collected what they could, you know, lack of technology. They couldn't, you know, keep food yeah. necessarily. People would gain a lot of weight during those warm months, knowing full well that that was going to be part of how they expended energy during the winter months. Yeah. And, you know, I think as we have advanced as a society and taken advantage of our knowledge and our scientific technology and so forth, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, our world doesn't really present a threat to us. You know, if we need food, we can get it readily. If we need warmth, we can usually get it readily mm -hmm. and so forth. But it is interesting that despite all that technology advancement, there's something about the gloomy, dreary, dark environment that still impacts us at an emotional level. Yeah. It's undeniable. I've wondered if COVID has also placed another layer of seriousness on this disorder because one of the mainstays of what you suggest for people is get out, move, see friends, be social. It's yeah. very difficult for people to do. So has, has the rate of seasonal affective disorder increased this year? So actually the rate of depression has definitely increased. The prevalence of people reporting feelings of depression is, is dramatically up. If you think about it, COVID kind of started in March, which was really, really toward the tail end of winter. And it's yeah. gone all the way through its worst periods. And then now we had kind of a big spike, uh, you know, during the Thanksgiving time period. It's important to remember that the holidays also tend to be stressful for many people. It's not yeah. that we don't like them. <laughs> and it's not that we don't like being around family, but sometimes that's stressful too. Okay. So the holidays can also play a role in how people are feeling. We traditionally have folks that either are overwhelmed by the family connections, or we have folks that are missing 
the family connections, and then you throw in the the, the weather component of, of seasonal affective disorder, and now on top of that, the uncertainty of a pandemic. I mean, it, mm. it's the perfect setting to be depressed. Just one quick question, because I was thinking about this with regards with people with bipolar disorder, that it might present as a depressive episode or seasonal affective disorder, but how do does a person like you make sure that you are evaluating for whether or not this is a depressive instance for bipolar disorder or just major depressive disorder? Oh, that's a very important, that's a very important distinction. Yeah. So keep in mind that first of all, folks that do end up developing bipolar disorder, very frequently, they started with depressive symptoms. Oh. Okay. We can't really definitively make a diagnosis of bipolar unless somebody has that clear manic episode. Yeah. Most folks don't start with a manic episode. Okay. Age is another factor. Okay. We generally see folks, you know, starting with some mood instability, starting with some depression, et cetera. Um, in maybe their late teens, early twenties, and then perhaps in their early twenties, they may have that significant depressive episode mm. or followed by a significant manic episode. And now it becomes clear, okay, this is clearly, you know, a bipolar type uh, mood problem. Right. Here's the interesting thing. Are folks with bipolar also susceptible to having depressive feelings during the winter? Oh my gosh. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Yeah. And so you can sometimes have folks that have bipolar disorder that are doing fine from their bipolar instability. You know, they're on their medications. Maybe they're in some counseling as well but suddenly now the winter months presents a little bit more stress for them. You know, I, I have always wanted to just kind of wrap up for people at the end of these, and I, and I hope it doesn't seem too simplistic to do this, but it occurs to me that if we were just going to offer someone the, you know, 90 second version of what you should know about seasonal affective disorder and how you should definitely seek treatment for it, what would you tell someone, Dr. Polo? Here's what I would tell them. Hey, listen. If you're feeling a little bit down and sad and blue during those winter months when it's dark, don't feel like there's something wrong with you or that you're abnormal. All of us, all of us really kind of enjoy things when it's brighter and sunnier and warmer. But if those symptoms bother you in a way that it's affecting your day-to-day -day activities, do a couple of things. Get out with people, take care of your body, make sure you're getting sleep, and if that still doesn't really help, consider talking to your primary care doctor. There might be something going on, not as bad, but even so, the most important thing is it's not that there's something wrong with you. You could have saved me a lot of money on a house if I had <laughs> talked with you earlier. I didn't want to have to leave, but I just had to no, save I'm gonna, my I, own life. I, I'm going to turn that around on you. That house was one of your best investments. <laughs> okay. All right. Whatever. It was very, very expensive. I don't know what I'll do for retirement at this point, but thank you, Dr. Polo. I so appreciate meeting with you. Sheila, I'm so glad always, to see you. Always so a pleasure. So happy and healthy. You look fantastic. Uh, if you're enjoying the program, and thank you, so many of you have written about topics you'd like us to take up and have given us really generous uh, ratings on where you listen to podcasts. We sure appreciate your feedback. And to our sponsors, always thank you. You can learn more about them at beyondwellwithsheilahamilton.com. Once again, thanks again, Dr. Polo. So wonderful to see you. My pleasure.